Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. Can you please stand for the reading of the word? We will be coming from Mark 7, verse 1 through 23. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have to let go of the commands of God, and you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death but you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother in Corbin that is devoted to God then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods as clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, and arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ooh, thanks be to God. Y'all may be seated, guys. I know we have a big text today, but we're going to try to unpack all of it as much as we can. Good morning, church. How y'all doing this morning? All right. There you go. Peter is excited. Lindsay's excited. Good to see you guys. Well, we're glad you guys are here. We have been in the Mark series. As you can tell by our graphics, if you're new right now, you know we're in Mark. Uh, but what we've done is we've taken a couple of weeks going through Mark and kind of revisiting some of our old, iconic Bible stories that we know growing up, and maybe put them back in its proper context, or maybe look at the motives behind of why those were written and why they were in the Bible for us. The last two weeks, we had Robert and Dwayne speak, and Robert talked about the parable of the sower, and Dwayne last week had a great message about the woman with the, woman with the issue of blood. It's a wild story of healing and power demonstrated by Jesus that left us with an amazingly compassionate moment. The woman desperately approaches Jesus on her knees, and he lifts her up, 
calls her a daughter, heals her, and sends her off in peace. Let's go, Jesus, right? That's what we like to see, a compassionate moment. What an amazing moment. But it's not possible to put Jesus in one category or one MO. He's more than just a sin-forgiving healer. He's our Lord with a clear expectation on his followers. So today we will see a contrast in the Jesus from Mark 5, the loving and compassionate, to Mark 7, where he's coming in hot with conviction and a challenge. And he used this moment to highlight to everybody that our hearts are the places where the sacrifice of his work is intended for. It's for our hearts. The thesis today we're going to work off of is that Jesus walked this earth preaching and healing people, but his main target was always our heart and, he forg- and the forgiveness of sins. To liberate our hearts from evil desires and to produce in us a new heart pleasing to him. The sermon title, it, it all comes down to the heart. Let's pray real quick before we get going. Dear God, thank you so much for this morning. We're just so thankful for your word and we honor it and we, we want to show respect to it and we want to learn from it. So this morning, we ask that you speak to us through the word, that you decrease myself and increase in everybody else. We ask that you be with us, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm hoping not the only one, but I got some people that I know that love to throw out hot takes. Do y'all know what hot takes are? Anybody? Talk to me a little bit. Do y'all know what hot takes are? All right, so especially we had somebody at work uh, a couple of years back who loved hot takes. Like, he threw out the craziest stuff, okay? So I'm not going to go this crazy, but um, sometimes when you hear these hot takes, right, they sound crazy, but sometimes you have to, like, almost be like, well, hold up, but he has a point, right? Or you might, oh, I never thought about it this way. Maybe there is something to it, right? That's what hot takes are. They make you think a little bit if there's something true to it. So I did some digging, and I found some hot takes for us this morning, and I want to... I wanna, I want you guys to tell me how you feel about this, okay? So first hot take that I found. A hot dog is technically a type of taco. Do we agree? Do we, do we hate it? What do we, what do we think? I mean, I think about it for a second. Think about it. Then it's taco a sandwich. I don't know. Okay, okay. Just saying. Just saying. All right, this is a good one because this is a very European one. So hopefully anybody else in here can relate with me. Pizza should be eaten with a fork and a knife. Come on. Cat, yeah, cat, I got somebody nodding. Okay, okay. Come on, guys. There's something true to it. Think about it for a second. All right. Plain water does have a taste. Do we agree? Yes? No? It's plain, though. It's just water. Okay. I'm just saying. All right. Uh, the cookie of the Oreo is way better than the cream. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Thank you. Yes. The, the cookie is the best part about it. All right, this, this one, this one I, I can't even rock with that one. Corn is good on pizza. Anybody corn on pizza before? I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. All right, ravioli. Ravioli? Ravi, ravioli. <laughs> uh, how do y'all say it? Yeah, that one is just a wet Pop-Tart soup. I mean, I can, it's kind of true. Something in there, the soup. All right, here's the last one. Spaghetti is a terrible pasta shape. Think about it. Spaghetti is a terrible pasta shape. Why would it be long and flimsy? It can be, there's so much better forms. No, nobody agrees with that? Ooh, okay, no love for this one. Wow, Woo. 
Spaghetti stays. Okay, we're not going to change spaghetti. We're going to keep it. Keep it the way it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't know about you guys, but some of these things, when you think about it for a second, you almost make me think like, okay, maybe there's something to it. Maybe they have a point. Maybe there's something to it. And this is kind of how the Pharisees must have felt in the beginning of the text. I know we have a big text, but we're going to go through it. In the beginning, there's an interaction where the Pharisees must have felt like they had a good point. See, they made this new standard that everybody should wash their hands before eating. And honestly, they had a point, right? It's not that crazy to expect everybody to wash their hands before eating. Can we agree on that? That's a good point. I mean, Pharisees, they, they got it right. That's, that's uh, you know, you don't get sick as much. It's good for cleanliness. It's great. But some reason, Jesus makes this a big deal and opposes it in some way. So let's figure out why he's doing this and what's going on in the scripture. We're in Mark 7. I know we read it out already, but we're going to go through it slowly a little bit. Verses 1 to 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can see it on the screen as well. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all of the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When, the, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? So what's the history in the background here for the washing procedures? So over the years, the Pharisees and the teachers, they tried to add value to, the, to God's people by creating more and more things for them to honor God. So the intention was good. They wanted to make sure that wherever they went, they would honor God and they would stand out. So this ceremonial washing originally uh, was designed for just the, uh, the high priest, okay? They had to do this. But a couple of weeks, I told to you guys about the different empires that took over the Israelites, right? So the Israelites were under a lot of different people. There was a new empire that came, they took them over, and a way for them to stand out was to hold on to those traditions. So some of those roles that the priests were supposed to do, a ceremonial cleaning before handing any offering. That was the original rule, right? But they turned it into a thing that everybody got to do. Now, this standard was especially, not everybody did this, but most Jews did this ceremonial washing before eating. Not everybody, but especially the upper class, the teachers, the rabbis, the disciples of rabbis, all of those uphold, upheld the traditions to a T. Now, to get practical, to the washing of the hands, how it was done back then, there was a cup with two handles on it. So when you pass the cup to the clean hand, it wouldn't get defiled again because it's clean, right? So there's two cups on there. You do the right side three times. One, two, three. Then you switch it over with the handle where it's clean. One, two, three. And then you interlock your hands together. One, two, three. And then you lift your hands up like this and say a prayer to God. And that would complete the ceremonial cleaning of the hands. So to complete our picture in the scripture, you had these leaders watching Jesus and his disciples. You, you can already see they were standing up in a corner and saw Jesus and his guys over there. And they're like, okay, they're about to do the washing. Here's the, here comes the cup. And nope, they didn't do it. So they're like, hold up, what's going on? Why are you not washing your hands? So this is what Jesus replies in Mark 7, 6, 13. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. 
You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you can say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify, and this is powerful, nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. That's pretty powerful. They've nullified God's word by making up their own traditions. So Jesus is referencing the commandment of honoring their parents, right? If we all know the commandment, you shall honor your father and your mother. So that's the commandment that given by God. Now, the, uh, the leaders, the elders put this new tradition in place where you can say, okay, I got my money right here and I'm going to pledge. This is not giving. I'm going to pledge my money to God. So that means you didn't bring your money, all of what you had to the temple. You just say, hey, it's going to be devoted to God. It's Corbin. So it's set aside for God. But you don't actually bring it to God. So as you live a life, you can still use your money because it's devoted to God, but you, there's a loophole in it, like in every good financial structure, right? The loophole was, while it's devoted to God, you can make sure you're covered and your family is covered. So that was the loophole. So now you have people live lavish lives while having a spiritual reason not to be generous. That's what they did. So when the, when the family needed something, they could cop out and say, no, no, you can't touch this money. That's Corbin. That's for God. When I die, that's going to go to God. Or when they see somebody in need, when they walked into the gates of the city, and they, they could help, but it's Corbin. I can't, that's, that's for God. I can't help you. Or even when their own father and mother would come to them needing help, they had a way to cop out and say, it's Corbin. You can't touch it. It's for God. While still being able to use the money for yourself. So rightfully, he is calling them hypocrites. And he says that their hearts are far from him. Their lips and action sound holy, but their hearts are not. Mark 7, 14 to 15 is the last part, and then we get to our first point. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. Point one. Point one is we have a heart problem. There you go. We have a heart problem. That's our point number one. If you're taking notes, we have a heart problem. I don't know if you've ever shopped for vehicles on Facebook Marketplace. Anybody does that? <laughs> or at least looking out there. Let's keep an eye on, right? So one day I was doing that and I saw a really nice car. It looked great on the outside. It had everything you wanted, uh, but the price was suspiciously low. You know, have you ever seen that where something is really good looking, but it's for some reason it's this is way too cheap for what it is. Well, I did some digging, opened up the description, and at the very bottom it said that there was a, an engine missing. So it's, <laughs> it looked good on the outside, but the inside was not. I don't know if you ever, like me, go to a late night snack to the fridge. Maybe it's late at night or during the day. I don't know when. But you go up there, you open up the fridge, and maybe you see some milk or some leftovers, and you get really excited. And as you pour the milk and take your first sip, it's all sour and curdled up and disgusting, and it's a disappointment. Or your leftovers, you warm them up, 10 days old, and it's not that good, right? Sometimes, when you look at it, it could be good, but the inside cannot. Or maybe you've bought something online, but when you open it, 
it was nothing like what the description said. Maybe it's too small. I think one day we bought an ornament for Raleigh. It's supposed to be a, an Elsa ornament, like about this size, hopefully. And it came in and it was literally this size. This tiny. It looked good on the outside, but the inside, it was different. And just like that, Jesus is trying to tell us that things might look good on the outside, but that does not have to be representative of the inside. There can be a discrepancy there. People might say the right things at the right time. People might do the right deeds. People might uphold traditions that make them look holy, but it doesn't matter if the heart is not addressed. Preston Morrison, a pastor in Arizona, says this line, which I thought was awesome. It's called, pretty in the pews, but weak in the street. <laughs> Think about that. Y'all, we have people that are pretty in the church on Sundays, but when the streets, and I'm telling you, we need help in the streets because the streets are wild right now, right? We need you strong out in the streets. When we're working, when we're seeing people, when we're going about our lives, we need to be strong. It doesn't help anybody if we sit good in here and we look pretty and we, get, we do the right things and say the right things in here or act the right part. But if we go out and our hearts are not addressed and our hearts are not changed, we won't help a single person. All we will hand off is, is traditions and not Jesus. Jesus is saying that we have to look at the source, our heart. It's a heart problem and we all have it. And nobody's exempt from this. Even Paul, the, who wrote about half the New Testament, in Romans 7, 19, he says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Sounds complicated, more complicated than it is. Basically, he's saying he wants to do the right thing, but he keeps doing the wrong thing. And why does he keep doing that? Because he has a heart problem. And we all have a heart problem. N.T. Wright says this, he's insisting that good and bad, external and physical actions of what we do, what look on the outside, come from internal and spiritual sources. And that therefore, the poison wells of human motivation are the real problem to which the purity laws are pointing. Leave it out there for a second, because I love that image of the poison well. Because if something is poisoned at the well, everything downstream from that is what? Poisoned. And the poison wells are hearts. And those purity laws, they're all coming from a source of good intention, but they turn off in the wrong direction because it's all about pointing to our hearts needing to be cleansed. I don't know if you ever make mistakes, but I do sometimes. And when I make mistakes, I want to look at where does it come from? Because again, we're talking about the, the well. Where does our actions come from? It comes from the heart. Maybe the last time you responded to your kids after a long day in a harsh tone or barked back at your wife or fiance or whoever. Or maybe you got really fussy with a, with a coworker. Where does that come from? Maybe you're in traffic and out of nowhere get furious. Where does it come from? This is me this, this Thursday, <laughs> this week. We were driving, I tried to merge over and somebody wouldn't let me in. They didn't go faster or slower. And for some reason it frustrated me more than normally. And I don't have road rage, I'm pretty chill. But for some reason, there was something that made me more frustrated than normal. And I had to look back and say, where did this come from? We all say stuff, we all do stuff that is not pleasing to God. But if we just accept that, we have a real problem. But if we do the work and say, okay, where did that come from? We can see a real change in our lives. We can all relate because this is called being human. 
Our hearts are sinful and we are sinners. That is in the Bible. God gave us the law to help us, but we couldn't fulfill the law. We couldn't do it. The challenge is to recognize that we have a heart problem. That's for all of us. So if you're honest and take a moment, how is your heart? And I'm not asking about your physical heart stats, okay? I'm not asking about that. We're talking about the source of your motivation, the well within you. Have you ever considered its health? And if you really do the work, I think you'll come to the same conclusion that we all do, that we need help. We fall short because we are humans and we needed a savior. We need Jesus. That's the only way we can do it. Point two, we need cleansed hearts. We need cleansed hearts. Mark 7, 17, he keeps on going. After he had left the crowd, entered the house, his disciples asking, asked him about this parable. And this is so typical, classic to disciples. Check it for a second, guys. The disciples are with him all the time. They see it over and over, and every time they come back to a place, and all the disciples, they, they're sitting in the house like, yeah, yeah, no, that, that was good, I like that. That was, I, I know what he was saying. And then one of the guys is like nodding Peter, like, come on, ask for us one more time, just to be sure, what, what did he really mean, right? Like, please just ask. Mark 7, 18, 19, he says, are you so dull? <laughs> he asked. He's letting them know that they got to start catching up. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into, this, into this, their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He's not holding back. He's getting intense here because he knew that the cultural context of the disciples, the early church, but even us, will make it really hard for us to get this point. Because we like to do what we got to do. We like to have a checklist and say, well, I did this part, I did this part, and I did this part, and earn our way into heaven. We all have a tendency to, we want to earn our key. We want to prove ourselves worthy of something. And that's why he's so intense about this, to make them realize, like, guys, it's not about the outside appearance. It's about the heart. And he's saying, so what he's saying here, just to kind of make it very clear for all of us, He's saying whatever you eat comes straight back out. We know this biology, right? You eat something, it comes out. The saying, you are what you eat, has been debunked. It really is, it's more like you'll poop what you eat. That's what Jesus is saying. <laughs> that, that's it. It's that simple. It's that five-year-old level, okay? He's saying whatever you eat comes out, it's done. So now he comes to the next part. Mark 7, 20, 23. He went on. What comes out of a person, out of the person, is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from, with, from inside and defile a person. So in point one, we've learned that our hearts are the real problem here. And here's why, because from within flows our actions. He listed all those kind of things that are coming from our heart and if we don't bring our hearts to Jesus and have him cleanse them, we will continue to act upon those actions, those thoughts, those things in our heart. And this will drive us further away from God, no matter how many traditions we hold on to. William L. Lane says it this way, these acts and dispositions, Jesus affirms, are what defile a man and, and they have their source in a heart 
which is an open rebellion to God. Leave it up there again, because I, I want us to really understand this, that the source in a heart, our heart, which is an open rebellion against God. None of our actions measure up to anything because our hearts are in rebellion against God until we bring it to Jesus and have him cleanse it. So how do we get this right? How do we get this heart cleansed? It's very simple. We need help. I don't know about you guys, but if you ever call, me and Michael were talking about it. Have you ever had to call a plumber at your house? All right. If something's real bad, you got to call a plumber to fix it. Well, I'm pretty cheap, so I never do that at first. Uh, first, I use Drano. Anybody use Drano? Just see if it helps, right? Drano. Then if that doesn't work, I use that little white thing with the hooks on it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That you pull stuff out. That's pretty bad. And one time, and I kid you not, I watched a YouTube video, and I duct taped all the holes in the bathroom, like on the sink and all this stuff, just to plunge the toilet to relieve pressure under the shower. And it worked a little bit. A little bit. But see, all these things, they might bring some temporary improvement. But in the end, I needed a professional to help. I needed to call a plumber, he did his job, and he fixed the problem. And it's the same with our hearts. We can try to fix it ourselves, to follow the five self-help steps to better motives, or six things to do to be, have a better heart. I don't care, what do you do? But it's not gonna create a cleansed heart. You cannot do it yourself. We need help. And see, we are just like the Pharisees. We have set up our own traditions that we think will help us have a cleansed heart. We used to wear our Sunday best. We come to church on Sunday. We act apart. We sing along with the worship songs. We hang on to the Bible Belt traditions of what we grew up with and cling to our get out of hell card. And those are all traditions. But if we don't let Jesus cleanse our heart and surrender it all to him, those things will make a difference. They will not make a difference. Our works have never been sufficient. Only Jesus can truly change our heart. Psalm 51.10, this is the prayer from King David. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He knew that it's not possible by ourselves. We need help. We need Jesus to help creating us a clean heart. Now this will be your boldest prayer yet. If you, after the service, in response time, go to the back and have that prayed over you or you prayed yourself. If you created me a clean heart, I will tell you, begin a journey of him cleansing your heart step by step and creating you a new heart. So I don't know where you are with your heart. I know I asked you earlier, how's your heart? But as you're thinking about it, keep thinking of what is needs to be cleansed out. And at the end of the service, I will give you a time to respond and to bring those areas to Jesus and say, I need you to clean this, this part of my heart. And just because you're acing it on one side doesn't mean you need help in the other. Because again, we can't do it ourselves. We need him. Now I want to give you four practical steps of what helped me to continue to have a cleansed heart and to be in his presence. And the first one is come to Jesus. It's that simple. However you can. It can be in the bathroom at work. If you just had a crazy meeting and you got chewed out or you got, I don't know what happened. But whatever it is, if you bring that evil thought in your heart to him and come find him wherever you can, he's here for you. You can confess, confessing our sins helps cleansing our heart. Confessing our sins to God brings forgiveness with him. And confessing to others is bringing healing. So forgiveness and healing equals a cleansed heart. 
So confess your sins to God and find somebody you can trust and confess with them as well. Get in the word. It's that simple. Finding out who he is, what is his heart for. And the last one is probably the, the simplest and easiest one, the worship. Coming into worship is automatically creating a cleansed heart because we're taking our perspective of us and onto him and it starts creating a clean heart in us. And if you start making these things a daily part of your life, I'm convinced that you'll see change over time. That's why we are so big here when Pastor Bronson talks about the spiritual practices because those are all things that help us to remain in him, to create a clean heart in us, and to guard our heart. And that's point three. I must guard my heart. I don't know if you ever heard the saying, but a lot of people talk about it like that. It's in life, there's two types of people. You know, and then they put like a certain either or category on it. So like in life, there's two types of people. One does this, one does the other, right? Have you ever heard that before? Just me? No? Yeah? All right. I'm glad you're here. All right. Now, I've heard some crazy ones, but I feel like today I got the best one. So I need you to listen up because this is going to be the best one. Uh, and this is the really the truth teller of who you are. And it is, and I want you to look around in church because we've got to be honest in here. So don't start lying now because I have to prove for it, Okay. So here's two types of people. The, one, the first group, they're the sane ones. They're God-fearing, good people. They love the Lord. They do the things right. And the second group, they're straight out of their mind. I don't know what's wrong with you guys, but you're about to find out why. But if you sit next to one of those people, I would move away two seats. This, it's crazy. All right, so here's the question. There's two types of people in life. The first group, when they get a new iPhone or, or Android, if they get a new phone, Apple or Android, they take themselves and buy themselves a screen protector and a case and protect their asset within the first week, preferably in the first day, okay? That's the first group. Now the second group, the psychopaths, they just don't get a case ever. They don't buy a screen protector, they just have their phones out. <laughs> Two in the front, are you kidding? Oh my goodness. All right, show of hands, we're the God-fearing, case-having people of the Lord. Thank you, the rest of you guys, what are y'all doing? Protect your stuff. Goodness. I'm a, I'm a little over-exaggerating, Seth. I'm just, just, but here's where, here's where we're land with this. We got to protect what's important. We got to guard what's important. And we got to guard our hearts. See, some of you guys are really good at protecting what's important to you. I heard there are people that buy a boat. They buy a cover for the boat. And then they buy a trailer for the boat to park the boat in a storage unit behind a roll-up gate, behind a storage unit gate. It's a lot of protection for a boat, but it's important, so we guard it. Some of you guys are really good at protecting your assets. You're watching your portfolio, you're diversifying, you're keeping an eye on it. You have some financial advisors that make sure that they're protecting your money. And some of you guys' homes look like Fort Knox because you got the latest security setup. And you got to have security clearance just to get to come for a visit. Like, it's, it's that serious. We have areas where we are really good at guarding our stuff. But if we're honest, how much time and thoughts do we spend on guarding our source of motivation, the thing that is most precious to God, the heart? If we're honest. This is for all of us. This is for me as well. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. This is why. Everything we do flow, flows from our heart. 
So after Jesus cleansed our heart, we have to put some guards up and continue a life of always checking our guards. There's two practical ways we can keep our hearts guarded. The first one is there's two gates. They call, they're called the eye gate and the ear gate. So it's what you see and what you listen to. It's that simple. Now these gates, some of you guys, you might come in here, this is your first time, and like, I have nothing up. My heart's just out there. I'm listening to whatever. I'm seeing whatever. And he can help you slowly build up a wall and a guard to guard your heart. And some of you guys, you might used to have some strong gates, but over time, they open up more, didn't take care of it, and he can bring them back to their former strength. Because it's important for us to guard our heart. And I want you to not get overwhelmed with this. I'm not asking you to do all the things right away. Just pick an area and start limiting yourself a little bit. Just start slowly setting up systems in place that protect your heart. It's gonna look different for all of us, but maybe it's the amount of time spent on social media. Might be best for you, what you're looking at. Maybe it's when it comes to the sexual standards we have, to the words that come out of, our, out of my mouth, to the way we treat other humans, to, and to, especially to what brings meaning and purpose to life. Does the show that I'm watching, does the song that I'm listening to, does this TikTok or short video, this YouTube video entertain me? Does it pull me towards God's perspective or towards the standards of the world that always elevate self as the God of our culture. And if it doesn't pass that check, we have to start eliminating those from our lives. And we're all in this point together. We all need to reevaluate our gates and shut out some things that are currently letting it, that we're currently letting into our hearts. So again, during response time, if this is an area for you where you're like, man, this is, this is gonna be hard, I want to challenge you to think about it. Pick an area and again, tell somebody about it. Have accountability in it. So as we come to a close, I want to review our points one more time and share some more thoughts with you guys. Point one was we realized that we have a heart problem. That's the main issue. Point two, our hearts are part of this fallen world and we need Jesus to cleanse them. Point three, we get to join God in his efforts to restore us back to his design by guarding our hearts, by checking our gates in our lives. So maybe you're in here, and you, as I'm, I've been talking, you've been processing a little bit, and maybe you realize that in your area, there's some areas where you are holding onto more traditions and you haven't really worried about your heart. And as we enter this response time slowly, I want you just to encourage you that this was not easy for the Israelites either. This is a hard ask. They grew up with this stuff. They were born in this stuff. But this is exactly why Jesus offers himself as a new way, because he knew this, this would be really hard for us. And as I was reading uh, in my uh, private or uh, quiet time in the mornings, I actually found something which I thought was interesting. And I want you, if you have some Bible with you, I want you to open your Bible and go to 2 Samuel um, 22, chapter 22, and then verse 21. And I don't put it on the screen because I want you to really look at your, your own Bible and maybe highlight it or remember it the next time you see it. And this is King David on the way out, looking back at his life. And here's what he says. Are you there? Have you found it? Second, Second Samuel chapter 22, verse 21. I'll give you some time. Second Samuel chapter 22, 21. 
Here's what it says. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands, he has rewarded me. This is King David. He's talking to God saying, according to my righteousness, our own ability, we've been judged. And even it talks about the clean, the washing of the hands. That God would look at his own ability to wash, keep his hands clean. But Jesus came, walked this earth and died for our sins so that now, instead of being judged by our ability and our righteousness to keep our hands clean, we are judged by him and his body on the cross because he died for our sins. And now we get to walk out this life with him beside us to continually have a clean heart. And that's the message of Jesus, that we don't no longer have to do a good job washing our hands or having our own righteousness be the, the reason why we get to go be with, with God. But we can trust that when we walk with Jesus. One theologian says it that now when Jesus looks at us, they see Jesus and he forgives us. So I don't know where you are today. and We're, we're gonna have a response time up in a second, but I want you to take a moment and assess your heart. Check the level of the guards and maybe pick an area of what you want to do. We always ask you to, to, to ponder and reflect and say, God, what are you saying to me? But then also we want to challenge you with the, with the second point to it is, what do you want me to do about it? So as you respond today, maybe it's time for you to get prayer in the back. Maybe it's time for you during the week to find somebody you trust and to tell them about your guards and maybe collectively together Work on a plan to keep your guards up some more of what you're looking at and what you're hearing. Maybe it's just leaving a prayer at the cross. On both sides, you can take a prayer. You can walk up there, pray, leave a prayer behind. We pray for it every week. Or you can light a candle on each side. And it's a symbol, it's a, it's a symbolic act to see the light of Jesus to break into somebody else's life. And you all can also take communion in the back. There's communion uh, items in the back you can take. But as the worship team comes up and we're about to enter into worship, into worship I want you to stay seated for a second. We're going to have Zach start us off and he's going to ask us to stand a little bit into the song. But until then, I want you to really focus on what is God asking you to do? What's he saying to you? And then what are you going to do about it? Let me pray for us as we prepare to respond. Dear God, we thank you so much for Jesus coming on this earth, dying for our sins. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We didn't have the ability to do it ourselves. So we're so thankful for you. We ask that you help us to reveal areas in our lives where we are holding on to tradition, to man-made rules, and replace them with a heart after your kingdom. We ask you help us to mature in our walk with you and to continue to check our guards of what is protecting our hearts. And I ask that you take this time and you speak to us, show us an area where we can improve, where we can become more like you. In Jesus' name. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review, things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.